Well, hello with Gratitude Matt listeners. My name is Matt Moran, and I'm the host for the show with Gratitude Matt. We all face certain hurdles in life. How we respond to those hurdles dramatically impacts the outcome. The goal that I have for With Gratitude Matt show is to inspire our listeners to practice gratitude on a regular basis, regardless of how powerful that storm is. You can follow the With Gratitude Matt show and my blog by registering on my website, gratitudemat.com. Today's guest is an amazingly strong young lady, Monica Bernsteiner. I met Monica through her father, Dr. Bob Cleary. Dr. Bob Cleary was on the With Gratitude Matt show, episode number 20. I've said this before, that the apple does not fall far from the tree, and Monica is certainly proof of that. Monica currently lives in Savannah, Georgia with her husband, Lance, and her two young children. She is an accomplished photographer. That said, before meeting Lance, Monica found herself in an abusive relationship. Today, Monica is openly sharing the impact that she felt by being in this violent relationship. She is doing so so that she can help other women avoid an abusive relationship themselves. Today, Monica also serves on the board of Safe Shelter. Monica, I'm so grateful that we connected and welcome to today's With Gratitude Matt show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Monica, when we first met, the conversation almost led me to tears just hearing you talk about your situation that, that you found yourself in and domestic violence. But before we get there, I'd love to hear a little bit about growing up in the Cleary family, having Dr. Bob Cleary as your father. Yeah. I mean, my childhood was awesome. I'm the third of six kids and, um, you know, my parents were incredible. Uh, you know, my dad was always there for everything, no matter how much he had to work. He made it to every dance recital, piano recital and basketball game and it was a great, great upbringing. That's awesome. Well, you know, I, I know it was, uh, you know, after you left the house and that you actually found yourself in this situation, I'd love to hear from your perspective, kind of, you know, what signs, you know, you had early on that maybe this relationship wasn't right for you. I realized it, you know, not even a month into the relationship when he would lie about a lot of things. Uh, there was a lot of manipulation involved. And I, you know, quickly learned that he was not an honest person and his temper would get out of control very quickly early on. How long before you actually sought help to actually, you know, resolve the issue? It took me um, about a year to finally start asking for help. It wasn't until I had visible bruising that I had to explain to people that I started to try to find a way to get out of that relationship. Yeah, I know what really amazed me through this whole situation is you mentioned to me that coming out of this relationship really helped you stir the faith that you have today. Could you maybe talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So during that relationship, I was kind of, you know, questioning what I believed in. And, you know, regardless of that, I was praying to God anyway for help. And after my last big fight with my abuser, uh, I ended up meeting my husband, Lance. And during that time, he worked at a church called Compassion Christian here in Savannah. And one of the first questions he asked me was, do you believe in God? And I was like, I'm not really sure. You know, I believe in something. And 
he said, will you come to church with me? I said, yeah. And so I went with him and going to that church was kind of that aha moment. You know, I didn't feel judged. Everyone was very welcoming. The sermon really hit, you know, hit hard. And so um, it really kind of brought me back into that and really helped me grow in my faith. And ultimately, with respect to your abuser, there was a you know restrictive order placed on him, if I'm not mistaken. And there was a whole court hearings and all that. And Lance, Lance accompanied you through the whole process, right? He did. I only knew Lance for about two months at that point, and um, I got the restraining order with Lance's encouragement, and um, he ended up coming to the court date with me because you have to go to court and face that person that you're getting the restraining order against um, for them to put it in place. And so April 1st of 2013 is when we had to go to court and everything was finalized. You know, we touched on earlier the amazing upbringing that you had with your dad at the head of the household, what was it like when you ultimately had to share with your father, you know, what was his reaction and how did that whole conversation go? It was really hard. I get emotional kind of thinking about it a little bit just because he's always been the go-to person when you're in trouble and the one that you talk to. And I remember talking to my cousin about what had been going on and she shared it with my dad. And so when we came home after Christmas with the family uh, everyone got in the car, out of the car, and my dad asked me to stay in the car. And he ended up asking me what's going on, tell me, and I basically broke down and told him everything. And he gave me options. You know, I was in my final quarter at SCAD at Savannah College of Art and Design, about to graduate, and he's like, "You can take time off if you need to. You don't have to go back. You have options. You can stay here. You can do school online." And so, just having that support meant a lot to me. And then going back to Savannah, I ended up going back to finish my last quarter of SCAD, my dad would call me, you know, frequently to check in just to make sure I was okay. And that meant so much to me. And you mentioned you're from a big family. I mean, were there brothers and sisters that also, you know, lend a helping hand as well? Yes, definitely. Um, I'm really close with all of my siblings and uh, they all actually met him and none of them liked him. And so they were kind of pushing me to get out before they even really knew what was going on. And once they really knew, then they were, you know, at my defense and making sure that I was okay. Well, today you and Lance ended up dating. You get married seven years ago. Is that right? That's correct. It'll be seven years this September. And you have two beautiful girls, Nora and Ada. Yep. When you're going through that process, I mean, obviously your uh, loving mother today, did you ever dream that you'd have two little girls? <laughs> I never thought that I'd end up with two girls, but I'm very happy. You know, I love it. It's so much fun being a girl mom. For some reason, I always thought I'd have all boys, but, you know, I'm happy. My wife would also say the same, and we have two girls, and it's awesome being a girl dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I got pampered on Father's Day this year for sure. Oh, good. <laughs> but, you know, I, I want to move to just them, uh, you know, my girls, your girls. They're both, all of them are quite young. Um, have you thought at all about what you potentially might share with them as it relates to violence, domestic violence, so that they don't find themselves in the same situation that you found yourself in? Yes, absolutely. I've thought about it um, frequently on how I would explain those signs to them, the eight signs of you know, an abuser and um, my husband's very encouraging and wants me to share those things with them as well when they're at the appropriate age so that they can avoid um, ending up in a situation like I was in. 
So I definitely plan to once they're at the age where they start dating and start having interest in others. Hopefully for, you know, minor 10 and eight, hopefully that's ways away, but you know, it'll mm-hmm. come upon us quicker, sooner than later. Any recommendation to me as it relates to, you know, how I might be able to, you know, just communicate the importance of being careful of who uh, you actually date and, you know, get close to. Absolutely. I think one of the best things you can do is, you know, lead by example and show them what it means to be a good partner and love your partner and take care of them. Um, And I also think it's good to just, you know, you yourself study up on the signs of an abuser um, and learning what those red flags look like so that you can teach those things to your daughters as well. I think once you kind of learn what those signs are, it's a lot easier to point them out because when I was in my relationship, I didn't know what those, I didn't know what those signs were. And so I struggled to really figure out um, what was love and what was really just jealousy and control because it gets confusing when you're in that manipulative cycle. So as you look back, you've learned a lot about this and, you know, abuser tendencies knowing what you know now, do you look back on it and are you in some respects amazed that you were in this relationship for a year? Yes, absolutely. I look back and I just, you know, I can't really believe that I stayed as long as I did, but I also can because it is such a confusing cycle when you're really in it. And they say that leaving is the most dangerous part, which I find to be very true. Yeah, that's understandable. I I think I shared with you that my wife deals with trafficking, uh, sex trafficking, or just trafficking in general, and that the victim and le- them leaving is, it's quite similar to what you're talking about. So I totally get that and understand that. You know, as you, you know, we're on a show with Gratitude, Matt, centered around the importance of practicing gratitude. When you hear that word, Monica, I mean, what, what comes to mind or maybe even share with what, what you're grateful for today? I mean, I am incredibly grateful for my family, my parents, my husband, my children, just the love and support that I'm surrounded by today, um, that they never left my side, even when I was at my lowest. Um, I think that, you know, that that's the best thing that you can have in a situation where typically uh, you feel the most isolated. And so just knowing that I have that support system in my life means the world to me. And over the last seven years, you mentioned that Lance really helped you find the faith that you have today. I mean, where's your faith today relative to, say, seven years ago when, when, or maybe longer than that, when Lance asked you, do you believe in God? I feel like I've come a very long way since then, you know, since going into that church for the first time. uh, You know, I think that I have much stronger faith and I'm surrounded by such a good support system that continues to teach me more and more about that faith. Um, And I'm excited about it because it's something that we can pass down to our girls and teach them about and, you know, keep that good, solid foundation within our family. And if somebody asks you today, do you believe in God? How would you respond? I would say yes. (laughs) I do. Emphatically. (laughs) Yes, I do. I, I really believe that Lance, you know, was kind of sent to me, you know, two weeks after my lowest point. And I really, you know, everything that has come into my life since then, I really, I really think that it's all God's work. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. Indeed. If you, you know, just move to the abuser a bit, you know, that was a long court situation. And, but if memory serves me correctly, and you know, shortly thereafter, 
he found himself back in the court system for a similar situation. What ultimately, you know, happened after the, the second time he ended up in court? Um, so we, we had our court date and he, uh, had been seeing someone new and I know that, uh, the cycles have kind of have continued in his life and, um, you know, his, his past partners after me. So I think that, uh, it, it kind of shows you that these cycles don't break so easily. Um, them coming back and saying they're sorry and that they'll change isn't always the case. It's really I mean, it's really just a, a vicious cycle. Uh, I don't know where he's at today or what he's doing, but I do know that it did continue on for quite some time after me. You're on the board of Safe Shelter. I mean, maybe share a little bit about what work Safe Shelter's doing and, you know, how does it fill you up? Absolutely. Safe Shelter is awesome. It is a shelter for women and children who are victims of domestic violence. They house these women and children for several months. And then we have a follow-up program where we put them in an apartment and we're able to check in on them and make sure they're okay. Um, they provide clothes and toiletries and everything they need. They provide counseling, yoga, childcare, kids camp, all sorts of great things. And I've been serving on the board since 2016. And I help mostly with photography. I do Mother's Day portraits of the women and children in the shelter. I help with some of the fundraisers um, and getting word out on social media. So it's just been a really awesome experience. And I'm assuming there's similar type shelters around the country, like Safe Shelter? Correct. Yes. Are they called Safe Shelter or just, uh, are they just a different name in different city? I think that there's probably some other Safe Shelters out there, but there's also, I know there's like Safe House, like they have different names in different states. Gotcha. Does Safe mm -hmm. Shelter do anything with respect to trying to, you know, get to the root of the problem and that's the abuser and the repetitive behavior that they're going through? Or is it totally victim focused? It is victim focused. It is focused on helping the victim get out of their situation and get them back on their feet and trying to help them stay away from their abuser. Um, they do help with like the legal aspect of things as well. And we'll have advocates go with victims to court when they have to do protective orders. The reason I ask, what amazes me, and just to hear you talk about, you know, your abuser, it happened, you know, beyond, you know, just you. So there were other young ladies that had to go through exactly what you went through. And I'm just wondering, you know, from a court system perspective, I mean, is there anything that, you know, the society can do to get individuals like that off the street? I think just really enforcing, um, the consequences because I remember being in court for that protective order and the judge was going to order my abuser to go to counseling. And he said, Oh, I'm going to be moving, which was a lie. And so they said, okay. And then they did nothing about it and he didn't go to counseling and he, you know, didn't move away either. And I was continue, he continued to stalk and harass me until my wedding day. So it was continuous and I just made multiple police reports every time. And how did the police respond when you made these reports? Did they actually follow up or were they, did they neglect the following up? I think that they did the best that they could do legally. They would come make their reports. Um, I think that they deal with a lot of domestic violence cases. Uh, I know they do here in Savannah. 
And what they do is they'll take the report. They know I had the protective order. They try to go find him. They'll look at his house or his workplace. And if they can't find him, then they can't really do anything after that. Um, but if they do find him, then they can arrest him. But they never found him every time that he would show up at my house knocking on my door and I'd call them. He would go run away. And that was that. You know, I, I think that as a society, I mean, just th this is, you know, a big problem, not just in Savannah, it's, it's a national problem. And I just, I think hopefully our listeners hear your story. And I, I appreciate the fact that we, the, the more educated we are as a society on what to look for, we can, you know, get, get more of these people, really the help that they ultimately need and whatever that really means. So um, I really appreciate you sharing all this. So Lance, I mean, he's seven years in your life. I mean, how, how has this impacted your husband, if at all? Um, I, I feel like it, it definitely impacted him more in the beginning because my abuser was trying to harass him as well, um, was slandering his name and making rumors up about him to try to get me away from him and um, would show up at my door when Lance was at my apartment with me. And um, so it definitely impacted him a lot then. But Lance is the most patient man I've ever met in my life. <laughs> And he never tried to fight him, but he was still able to protect me. Um, and uh, I think now it's it's kind of helped us have this understanding in our marriage where, you know, healing takes a very long time when you go through something like that. And um, I can have my moments where I'm having a more difficult time and Lance is extremely understanding. So I think it's been, you know, I found the perfect person <laughs> who is incredibly patient and loving. That is so awesome. Well, I mentioned earlier that we had your father on episode 20. And for the listeners that didn't listen to that, please go back and listen. You may recall that Monica's father was one of the early victims of COVID-19 in, in Michigan and spent 12 days in ICU and came out of it. How's he doing today? He's doing a lot better. He's great. He's working. And, you know, we're talking about you know, hopefully planning a Disney trip with my girls and him, you know, in the next year or two. <laughs> so he's doing well. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I know as we kind of wrap things up here, we wrap up each show pretty similarly, but you know, for you, I'll, I'll tweak the question just a bit, but I know, you know, cause obviously you going through the relationship that you went through is, would be devastating for anybody to go through. Right. And, uh, as you think back on that situation, the domestic violence, I mean, is there anything that you can think about that really helped strengthen who Monica is today? And perhaps if so, can you even speak to something through that experience that you might even be grateful for because of that violent situation? And I know it sounds kind of twisted, but I'd love to hear your perspective on that and maybe gratitude uh, along the side of that? As bad as the situation was, uh, it really, I mean, it sounds kind of corny to say it made me the person I am today. And it taught me patience. And, you know, it, it helped me figure out some purpose, serving on the board with Save Shelter, helping other people in this situation. When I went public with my story for the first time, my inbox was almost sadly flooded with fellow classmates from high school and SCAD um, who are in similar situations who were looking for support. I have people that reach out that want contacts for safe shelter to help someone else out. Um, so I'm 
I'm grateful that I can be that safe person in someone else's life to help guide them to, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, really. You know, when you're stuck in such a, a terrible situation, it you start to feel helpless because you're manipulated to believe that you are not worthy or you're crazy or you become so isolated. So just knowing that I can help people through something like that is incredible. That's awesome. You know, one, one, I want to back up just a second. So you mentioned you know, going public and your inbox flooding. How, how did you actually go public uh, initially? So the first time I shared my story was when I created that blog post with the photos of my apartment. I took those pictures during that time in my life for a photographic book class at Savannah College of Art and Design. Um, and it was the imagery of, um, you know, the hole in the wall in my apartment, things tipped over, broken. Um, so it really gave you like a visual into my life during that time. And I decided on the anniversary of my court date to publicly share that, the images, and talked about the signs of an abuser. Um, and once I did that, you know, I had other other friends reach out to me sharing their stories. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, I, I mentioned on the front end, I have two girls and I want to do everything possible to, to help them from, avo you know, avoiding this type of situation. And, you know, I know you and, and the work that you're doing will help other young ladies avoid, you know, an abusive situation. I pray that there's a listener out there to this show that can avoid abuse because of your openness. And, you know, I, I really commend you for having the courage to not only end the relationship that you were in, but more importantly, you know, share your stories to help others. Uh, and it's clear that that's your whole goal with safe shelter and, you know, all of the, the work that you're doing. And, um, you know, beyond being a, an amazing photographer, you uh, are really, truly making a difference in other young ladies' lives. I also pray that as a society, we can learn more about this to recognize abusers and, you know, get them off the streets to help young ladies like Monica not have to deal with them and, and, and help them get the help that they really need. Uh, it's no different than, you know, an alcoholic that, you know, abuses alcohol. This, this abuser happens to abuse women and we need to, to do our part to get them the help that they need. Monica, it's such an honor to have you on today's show. You're, you're such a strong and courageous woman and, um, you know, please, listeners, for the benefit of the women that right now are being abused, learn more about this and help others uh, avoid the situation that Monica had to deal with. I talk about doing three things each and every day as I go through my own battles. And, you know, one of those is find the courage to be grateful, regardless of how powerful that storm is. And for those that are out there, I think that might find themselves in an abusive situation Maybe turning to gratitude might even help you find the courage to get the help that you need. Also, make sure that you're truly present to those that you're with. You'd be amazed at how much support is right around you. So truly be present to those that you're with. And lastly, pay attention to how you're feeding your mind, body, and soul. Today's guest was Monica Bernsteiner. Really appreciate all the listeners being on. Monica, so grateful to have you on. Remember to subscribe to today's show, comment on it, and share it with others. With gratitude, Matt listeners, until next time, find the courage to be grateful. Godspeed, my friends. <laughs>